Happy Independence Day, Pod Fam. Episode 110 features the head football strength and conditioning coach at Army, Coach Connor Hughes. Coach Hughes enters his fifth season as the head man after serving as an assistant for two years. Coach Hughes also experience, has experience with various other athletic programs from his time at University of Albany, Iona College, and Georgia Southern. Coach Hughes has been a part of multiple championship teams and currently aids in the development of some of the best squatters, cleaners, and movers in Coach Hughes may have tense demeanor, but it's absolutely a must-follow on Twitter, where he posts countless nuggets and videos of what they do at Army and how they do it. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast. Share this episode or any find value. Don't forget to rate and review and help grow the show. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies, check out Texas Trees. If you're in market for some new menswear and you want something that's truly custom, check out Etiquette Dawn. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, or anything else, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Santa Go Sprayer and let them know Coach Newman sent you. Enjoy today's episode with Coach Connor Hughes. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by the uh, one and only Connor Hughes. He is the head strength and conditioning coach for Army football uh, for the Black Knights at West Point. Coach Hughes, thanks for taking the time and chopping it up with us this morning. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't follow Coach Hughes, um, you're missing out. There's a wealth of information that he puts out. Uh, not just in regards to what they do at Army, but just, uh, you know, S&C in general, man. But, you know, what is it about putting out content um, that drives you and, and how do you select what you want to put out there? Uh, so the the drive is, I mean, we have three team rules here with Army football. It's do right, do your best and show people you care. Um, so the, the the part of putting out content and, and my, my content is geared towards uh and I, I can't believe I'm, I'm saying it like my content because it's this is i'll explain the story of how we got into this the social media realm but the uh it, it's geared towards high school football players and high school strength coaches and, and high school football coaches and it's and it's more of just i want to put out the basics and, and get people to to buy into it doesn't have to be the fanciest thing in the world if you do the basics really well over a long period of time you're going to get great results uh so the how we kind of got into the social media aspect so i had two assistants uh blair vaughn and brandon reyes brands at colorado now and uh blair's at arizona and uh they i hired them two young guys and they they started talking to me about hey you should get into twitter you should start posting videos you should start and i was like ah, i don't know but for us it has been an awesome awesome opportunity because now, and same thing with how we put out the programs a year ago and put out these videos, every single recruit 
that walks in our doors to to see the to see our weight room and we give them a little presentation they know what army football is about they know what army football strength and conditioning is about they've either seen the, the push-up video the squat video the pull-up video they've seen something so they kind of have a base of oh we already know who these guys are so it's 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 just getting army football e- even more into the spotlight and, and more into the high school so that they know who we are and we, we hopefully will, will get some more recruits and, and get some more fans. And that, that, that's really why we do it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's as a high school football coach and, and high school strength coach, I truly appreciate you know what you put out there and the way in which you present it. Um, because it's not a, it's not a one size fits all, or it's not a, you know, extreme statement. Like you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Uh, this is what we do. This is what works for our guys. This is what our guys love. And when we just, and we roll with it. Um, I think too many times, especially recently with social media and for sure with strength conditioning, it becomes very overly opinionated and, and you, you almost feel forced to have to take a stand one way or the other rather than just understanding, hey, this is where I exist. This is what works for our kids. And this is what we're going to stick to doing. And and my my thought process with that and, and getting into to I, I stay out of the whole Twitter beef thing. That's it's not my scene because really in my opinion, there's 250 people's opinions that matter about what we're doing in strength edition. And that's two, the 250 people that are involved in involved in army football from the head coach to our players to our assistant coaches. Those are the only opinions that matter. Like, so it's, it's, it, we've tried to be positive in that realm and we've tried to just stay out of any sort of dramatic area. And, and it's, it's paid off. Cause I, I just, I don't see a reason for that. Cause honestly, everybody else is, I, I don't need to impress other strength coaches with my ideas I, I need to make sure that we're giving out good information that that people will want to say hey this is a good follower this is a good this is a good video and hopefully teach kids the the right way to do things um so i'm just it, that that's kind of it's we're trying to do right do our best and show people we care so absolutely let's rewind a little bit before you get to army um sure you were at i believe the uh, university of albany is that right yeah yep uh, how did you kind of get into coaching and, 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 you know, kind of basically what brought you up to West Point? So really my, uh, I got into coaching in, in, in strength conditioning. I didn't really know that it was, a I I knew that it was a job, but I, I didn't really have a great understanding of it. But uh, my uncle was a high school strength coach at Boston college high school in, uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, where I grew up. I went to a different high school, but I ended up starting to go to him when I was about 13, 14 and start training. I was a bad high school football player, found the weight room, turned myself into a decent high school football player. And uh, I fell in love with training at that point. Like at that point I was addicted every day. I was either in my gym at, at, at my school or I was going over to his gym to train. Um, he ran a summer strength conditioning uh, camp that I did every single summer, went to Springfield college, ended up uh, studying applied exercise science and, and went through all the curriculum did did an internship at the end. And I, and I honestly didn't know if I was going to fully be a strength coach when I, when I went to graduate college, I, I thought, yeah, it was a, it was a decent career. I, I had heard that it was um, extremely competitive and things like that. And then my, my last internship to, before I graduated was at Georgia Southern. And after the first day of being a strength coach there as an intern, 
I was like, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. And, and at, at that point I was like, I'm all in on being a strength coach. And, and cause I, I didn't know if I wanted to be a football coach, wanted to be a strength coach, wanted to do something completely different. And the, the football coach idea for me, I hated watching film. I was terrible with plays. I liked being physical. I liked the weight room. I liked being excited. So that, that was an easy fit for me to be say, Hey, I'm going to go the strength coach route. And then uh, after that, I, I, after graduation Springfield, like I said, did an internship, did my GA at the university of Albany. I was there for two years, worked with pretty much every single team left, uh, Albany when I was, I was lucky enough, I was 24 years old, get the head job at Iona College, which is actually about 45 minutes south of here at West Point. Um, and it's at, in New Rochelle, New York. I was there for about 11 months when my boss at Albany, uh, Blake Condiff, he, he left and, and took the job, head job at Texas State. And the head football coach at Albany called me. And uh, this is Bob Ford. He's, he was the only head football coach that they had ever had in the program. He started the program as, as a club, worked it up to the highest level of FCS. And he called me. He was like, hey, son, the job's yours. Just be here Monday. And it was a Friday. And I was like, all right, I'll, that, that's it. And I, I packed up my stuff, brought, a, uh, I brought, a, brought an air mattress and, and a book and, and rolled up to Albany. And, and I was there for seven years, the head strength coach. Uh, the job kept growing with me. So we were in uh, the NEC. And then we moved up to the CAA and, and I, I loved it there at a great time. But Brian Hess, who was the head strength coach here at uh, Army, um, when I took the job, actually was in the same role that I was in. He was the head strength coach at Sam Houston and took the first assistant job at Army. And uh, he I called him because we had a long winter break and I knew they were back early. I said, hey, can I come down and watch? And he was like, uh yeah, but I just got the head job. Tim just left. So Tim Karen moved on to Allegiant. He opened up his own facility. And I said, all right, I won't come down because I just I, too much stress. You just took a new job stress is what I call it. So too much. You get you got too much going on. He said, no, come down. I want you to watch a workout session. So came down, watched the workout. And uh, he was like, what'd you think? And Brian's one of my best friends. I, me and Brian went to school together, uh, took all of our classes together, all that stuff. I said, yeah, it was good. But this, this and this and this needs to improve. And he was like, all right. He goes, I want to make you the first assistant here. And I, so I, I went back up to, to Albany and I was like, after just seeing this, the guys here, seeing the facilities, just feeling the energy of, of army football. I was like, I, I have to take this job. So I was here for two years, as the assistant and now going on five as the head strength coach. It, it feels like I just got here. And, and when I tell you, I got the best job in the country, there's no doubt about it. I've been here. This is going on my seventh season. If they let me be here the next 70, I will be. It, it's, there is not a better strength addition job in the country than, than army football, than be the head strength coach in army football. Man, it, it's, uh, that's awesome. And, you know, they always talk about how coaching and education circles run small. Um, you're the third person we've had on the podcast to represent West point. Uh, well, I've had two former student athletes on, uh, okay. one that I coached, uh, briefly at the beginning of my football coaching career, uh, Jeffy Jeckham. And oh. then... <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, when I tell you was the most violent wide receiver I have ever seen in my life, just violent, mean, physical, tough as nails. He was like a 365 pound cleaner as a wide receiver. Yeah. And he's still a beast, man. He's still, yep. I just remember him as a freshman in high school, scrawny, but absolutely self-aware, self-assured, knew that he was going to go do great things. I don't know if he knew in the, at West Point per se, but you know he had he had a, a good head on his shoulders. Um, and then uh, I've had co uh, well, he's now coaching in the private sector, but uh, 
Juju um, Griffin. Uh, yeah, Juwan. Juwan, he's been. Yep. Uh, and then I've also had Blake Cundiff on, and I actually. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Um, I think it was last year. Um, I worked with Blake when he took over in Mesquite ISD. Uh, okay. Down in Texas. Um, I worked with him for about a year. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's pretty phenomenal guy. Pretty phenomenal. crazy. That, yeah. yeah. That, that, that is wild. That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I got to, uh, I, I owe Blake a phone call. I got to call him pretty soon here. Cause I mean, the amount of stuff I learned underneath him for those two years, just awesome. Awesome guy. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and, and, you know, I appreciate all, all what he does in, in terms of just promoting and, and doing, doing right by kids and coaches. So it's, it's great to, to be able to, connect with other people and and know that you know the the sentiment and vibe that you get off of somebody is echoed um and you know it's a, it's a quality no doubt no doubt <clears throat> when you got to army as as the assistant um and working your way up where what was one of the first things that you kind of had to adjust to aside from just the schedule right the the the, they're called cadets, right? At, at West Point. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. And, and the the demands that are placed on them outside of the realm of football. So, how did you adjust coming from a school like Albany uh, to Army? So it's 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 interesting because you you nail the the you hit the nail around the head there with the the schedule because that is that's the biggest like roadblock that we go up against is just just it, our guys are being pulled in three different directions academically i mean this is an incredibly difficult institution it's it's incredibly academically rigorous um and then militarily they, they have requirements that normal foot, college football players don't have and then i mean we're playing a big time division one college football program so i mean there we're stretched to the limit as far as how, how many how much time we can spend in the weight room how much time we can spend out in the field what they need to do for practice what they need to do for meetings everything has to be on point scheduling wise but honestly i was when when i first got here i had the idea of that these young men that that we were going to coach that i was going to coach were going to be already like the most super soldier, yes, sir, no, sir. When I got here, I was like, oh, these are normal kids. They're just the best normal kids you'll ever meet in your entire life. Meaning the way I'll describe it is you take your best five players, and I'm not talking about their athletic ability here. I'm talking about who they are as human beings, their work ethic, they're showing up on time, doing things right, being leaders. You take your best five guys at any school. Now we got 105 of them. That That's that that's the difference is these guys want to work. They want to get better. So it, it's a it, it was an awesome change. And, and it was it's a unique, unique experience here because of th they're seeing leadership all the time. They're getting tested on leadership all the time. They, down the core, they, there's there's cadet leadership, that there's uh, military leadership that that they're they're getting. They're working on these skills as they're going through college, as they're being a college athlete. So they're seeing positive leadership. They're seeing poor leadership. They're seeing what cadet does it right, what cadet does it wrong, what coach does it right, what coach does it wrong. And, and to be here, you almost have to be a leader of the leaders. And and, and it's, it's 
your level of attention to detail with the things that you say here and the message that you give and the information that you you provide our football players, it has to be on point because if it's not, they're going to go home and research it and look it up and say, hey, coach, you told me this, but this was this is what this journal saying that that's how smart our guys are. So that that adjustment period of, yeah, you're not going to trick them like you, you got to give them the this, this straight information, which is kind of how I run anyways, is is it was an awesome, awesome change. And, and just the the unique human being that chooses this life that the opportunity to go to an academy to to develop themselves like more than from 18 to 22 more than any other college in in the in the country it's been awesome because this is the premier leadership institution on the planet and and there's some special things going on here with some special people that it's an awesome place to be and it's it's really really unique that's like i said if i if they let me be here the next 70 years i will be yeah how did you you talk about the guys going home and researching and yeah. back? How often do they ask questions? Not necessarily question your methods, but just simply ask questions and just try to find out the whys. All the time. And that's as a, as strength coaches, like and and we we do our, our workouts pretty we're pretty unique in, in the setup, which I didn't think was unique. It's the way I've always done them is, is we warm up as a group. When we finish our warm up, we finish our FRC, they come up and we got, we got squats today and say, we got 12 sets of three in the squats. I'm telling them, Hey, this is why we're doing 12 sets of three going over the technique, going over the, exactly how I want them to do it, how I want them to breathe, like X, Y, Z going over the technique, going over every little detail. And in that time we explain the why. Because I know if we don't explain the why, somebody's going to ask. And it, like you said, it's not questioning. It's they want to know so that they can they can try to find not not the reason why they're doing it, but try to have a little bit more motivation of, well, I'm not doing this just because coach said I had 12 sets of three of squats, but this is why we're doing it because we're going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger. We're going to get X, Y, Z. So it's it's we try to be preemptive with that and and are always telling our guys hey this is why we're doing this cycle this is why we're going out to do this conditioning today this is why you need to do this what x y and z when when you leave here as far as nutrition as far as hydration as far as supplementation so it's it's really for here it's a proactive approach because they're going to listen they're going to do what you tell them to do and, and it's 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 awesome it's awesome when you when you have um guys that are in, in, in developing their leadership qualities right because there are some guys that just seem to just have the it versus others are just and i guess everybody at west point is really there to become a leader in some capacity uh versus just you know an on the boots soldier mm-hmm. uh, boots on the ground soldier yes but i'm i'm sure you've seen it over the over the years that you've been there like everybody there's relatively an alpha dog, but then there are those that, that are above the others in some capacity, not, not so much from a physical standpoint, but just their, their charisma, their ability to command the room. Right. So how do you give them the opportunity to lead inside of that so that you can spend more time coaching? Cause I got, I got to think that's probably one of the best parts of your job is uh, unlike us at the high school level, we're, we're not just managing, you know, how to get them bigger, faster, stronger, but we're also managing them as, as people and trying to just 
develop them as people. Like you said, these are high character people. Um, so I would assume now, you know, you have multiple quote unquote coaches on the floor while you get to go around and assess. So, and, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, and I will say though, that when they get here and they are, they're high character, that they're high achieving, but they're not finished products. They're not. When, when they walk in these doors, they are, this place changes you. It's changed me. I mean, just working here, it, between 18 to 22 years old, these, these young men are figuring out who they are, what they're about, what their leadership style is going to be, what, what they want out of life. So in that time, like we're still, we still have the responsibility and the opportunity to, to impart wisdom on them um, and to give them leadership roles. I mean, we have a off-season competition where we have we draft different lead we have leaders that we appoint and then we they draft teams and they they run those teams and it's from you get negatives for showing up late you get negatives for missing breakfast but you get positives from winning competitions from going to uh to do extra um trying to think of the word that going to like they 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 go and work at a soup kitchen. They, I'm, I'm trying to think of what's, uh, what's, what would we call community, it? Community service. Community service. Yeah, exactly. So going to do community service and to win competitions, do things like that. So they have that opportunity, but they also have that opportunity every single day in, in the rack and, and in the, in our running sessions, because not only am, are we watching the lines and we're watching the squat depth, but I tell these guys like, Hey, if something goes wrong in your rack and I have, cause we, we lift in two, big groups. I mean, there's 50 to 60 guys in, in, in our two lifting groups just because of the schedule. So, and we have five full-time coaches, which you're not seeing everything. So I want, I, I try to put an older guy with younger guys on every single rack that we have all the way through our room. Cause I want that guy to be the captain of that rack and they should be competing to be the best rack technically to be the best rack. Um, just energy wise to be the, the attention to detail wise that that's what we want. So it, it's putting them in roles and it's also, Hey, sometimes I'll just throw to a, to a senior and say, Hey, you got the woman today, run that through. But I also like that. That's, that's like my, my bread and butter. Like I love going out there, running out and, and bringing energy and getting guys excited. So it's, it, it's that, it's that, that fine line you walk between saying, Hey, this is, you guys are running this or I'm running this. It, it's, it's a good give and take. It's probably 50, 50 and it's, I want them to bring energy, but I also want to bring energy. Um, but it's also like it's meeting after if we have a if we have a bad lift, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, I can come back and I debrief with my staff and say I didn't do this well. That's why we we weren't good today. It's I I think a bad a bad uh, carpenter will blame his, blame his tools. A bad strength coach is going to blame his athletes. So really, like it's about us being on point to then give them the skills to to be able to lead and be able to to achieve the workouts and achieve the, the, the task of the day. And it's, it's, it's a good balance of both. What does it mean for you now that you've got, you have, you, you had two assistants that have gone on uh, to other jobs, but obviously you talk about imparting wisdom to these young men. You, you're tasked now with, the development, not just of the of the player, but development of assistant coaches, right? Because a head coach is really only as good as his assistants are, both from what you hire and then as you develop them. Because you know, 
not everybody is necessarily meant to be the head person, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't go try to be a head person. Some people are just better off as assistants, as coordinators or whatever, but you still have to develop them and give them skills and tools in order to go and interview and go and, and potentially be that head person. So how do you navigate that uh, while still trying to teach, you know, 18 to 22 year olds how to just be better men? So that's, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I want to touch on the, uh, I have a lot of, lot of ideas about staffing and, and number one, my interview process is unlike any, and I tell them before we get on the phone, like it's going to be unlike any interview you ever go through in strength edition. I'm not going to ask one strength edition question. I, that's, I, I expect you to know that knowledge and I expect you that I, your philosophy when you're coming in here matters less to me than who you are as a human being. So that's what I'm trying to get at when I, when I have our interviews is I want to get to the root of, of who you are as a human being. So I tell them before, Hey, if you, if you want to take a second to think about this question, like I'm okay with dead space, I'm okay with just sitting here. Don't give me the fastest thing. And, and I'm going from questions of what's your, what's your top, uh, what's your top experience so far as a coach. Um, and I'm not talking about winning a game. I'm talking about a human interaction, some athlete that you had an effect on uh, all the way to what's, what's your lowest point. What's been your lowest point as a coach? What did you do that you wish you could do, do again, that you wish you could do over uh, put them on the spot with, with asking like, Hey, what's your favorite? What's your, what's your favorite song of all time? Like, give me the song that sums you up as a human being. And, and after that song, I've, after we finish the interview, I go and I, I listen to that because it's going to give me an impact on who they are. Um, try to ask them a little bit about just like how they were brought up, what what their idea of being a coach was, where they stand on this this the um, the spectrum of of high intensity yelling, screaming to more cerebral. And I've had both, and, and both work. And, and I try to impart on those those young people: you have to be yourself because because coaching is is about being yourself because especially here at West Point, if you're a fake, they'll sniff it out almost immediately, but it's being yourself times 10. It's being a caricature of yourself. So I'm, I'm a loud, aggressive, like guy who swears from Boston. That's going to be who I am when I'm coaching. If I try to be a more cerebral, like laid back, like it's just not going to work. It's just, it's, it's who I am. So it's imparting that wisdom on them, but the, the whole staffing. And, and when I first got it, so in the past four years, um, I've had two assistants leave for head FBS jobs. Five guys are now either first or second assistants at the power five level. And one guy's in the NFL and one guy's an FCS uh, head strength coach. And I've, so I've turned over my staff pretty much every single year and all positively, like they're all going to great jobs, jobs where they're, they're doubling their pay and they're, they're, they're doing really well. So, and, and, I've, I always want to push these guys because I say, hey, if you want to be a head strength coach, you need to leave because you're never going to be the head strength coach at Army because I'm going to be the head strength coach. And, that, and that's the truth. I tell them, like, yeah. if that's your goal, be a head strength coach someday, you're going to have to leave because I'm going to be here forever. So, like, it, unless somebody tells me I can't be here anymore. So, the the uh, trying to develop those skills, it's, it's, it's multifaceted. Um, I like to give, so I, I kind of have two levels of assistance and I like to hire young guys in my lower two level positions and give them the skill sets that the next two guys have. So if I lose an older guy, I can immediately fill that in. And it's, it's about 
and my honest opinion is like if somebody gives you the job to be the protein scooper, like you need the best damn protein scooper on the planet. And you do for me and working underneath me, you get more opportunities to show what you know and show what you can do when I know that you can handle the small stuff. Because if you take care of the small stuff, I know that I can trust you with the big stuff. So it's going to take some time to build up that that trust to be able to. And now at this point, like all four guys on my staff, if say some say I dropped of a heart attack in, in the middle of a session, any one of them could step up and lead this program for the next year. And and that's that's the truth. And and but when when I first started losing guys, obviously I was the happiest dude in the world. From I'm gonna call every single time they get a job. I know I I, I tell them if you if you get a phone call, come and tell me because I'm gonna call for you and and I'm gonna immediately try to help you because I, I want them to move up. I want them to do better. Um, and it's become easier for me to hire new assistants because people know, hey, you come here, you're going to double your pay as soon as you leave. That's it. So that is what it is. But uh, but when when I started losing guys, I was like, oh, well, now I got to teach this guy this. I got to do we got. But I've noticed something. So say we just take the GPS for for an example. So GC Yeri um, was one of my first assistants here. I got 40 GPS units put in my desk and said, hey, figure this out, and how, figure figure out how to do this. And I was an FCS guy. GC was an FCS guy. Rusty Witt was on staff too at that point. And I handed him GP to GC and it said, shit rolls downhill. I mean, here, here you go. Like figure out these GPS units, figure out what we got to do. And he did a great job. But then that was the standard of what we were going to do with the GPS. And, and that was – the next guy that I, I hire, if he cares about what he's doing and cares, he's going to he's gonna take that standard and then make it better. And that's what Brandon did. He came in here. Brandon Reyes was the next guy to run our GPS. He made it better. When when Brandon left, Jake Riedel, who's my first associate head strength coach now, he, he had been doing it at LSU for seven years. So he came in and, and made it better. So every time we get a new hire, the standard is set in place for what we've been doing. So now the next thing they got to do is they got to improve it. If they, if they're worth a shit, they're going to improve it. So, and, and that's, I've noticed that with every single thing we do, as we get new people, that standard has been put in place. So now it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. So I don't know. I went off on a tangent there, but I'm happy you asked that question. No, I love it, man. I, I would assume, and you haven't, you haven't had to fire anybody. No, no. And the, uh, the idea of, uh, the idea of, um, for me too, it's, it's, it's constant communication and, and they know, like, I have no problem getting in the, uh, getting into the muck and saying, Hey, that wasn't up to standard. That wasn't good enough, but I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to do it in front of the athletes ever, ever, unless it's an unsafe situation. I'm not going to ever belittle them and say, Hey, no, that was wrong. Or this was because that lose, that makes them lose the, it makes our athletes lose the trust in those coaches. But also like they know that if, if something goes wrong and I didn't like it, after the session, I'm going to bring him into my office on my own, explain, hey, I didn't like this. I didn't think this was up to standard but, and, and, and have a conversation with him because that's how you get people to improve. Uh, and if I need to yell and scream, swear I can. But it's much more effective to have a just a one on one conversation with someone as a man and just say, hey, this wasn't good enough. Let's get this better. And you know what they do? Again, if they care, they get better. And, and every single time it's gotten better. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. So. How do you check your ego as a head strength coach when they come to you, whether it's to whether it's to offer a suggestion of a of a of a minor adjustment? Because uh, I'm assuming you're not you're not doing wholesale changes, you know, aside from like when you got GPS for the first time and you got to figure yeah. that out. Like, 
it's not being, I'm talking about if it's not being thrust upon you and you're not delegating that it's, Hey coach, um, you know, if somebody came to you and said, Hey, uh, you know, I don't think that we should, uh, back squat full depth, right? How, well, how like you- said that, I, I just laugh at him and walk out, but mm-hmm. no, but no, absolutely that. And that's, and that's, uh, I want criticism and, and, but I, I'm self-aware enough to know that I, I, and, and I'll tell them this because when I, when I first hire a guy and I bring him in and I sit down with him, I have a, just a sheet of paper, kind of like the rules and kind of what, how the, what the standards are going to be here. And, and I want us to be the best strength coach, strength staff in the country. And, and, in order to do that, I need to be able to receive feedback. And I tell them, hey, if you're going to tell me something that like is one of the things that I harp on that I think is really, really important, and you're going to say, hey, coach, or, or tell me that I didn't do a good enough job today, I know in the in the in the two to five to an hour, I'm going to be pissed, and I and and I'm going to be affected because you're telling me something that's that's emotionally charged. But then an hour later, I'm going to thank you for it. Cause it's, it's the feedback that I need. And in, in order to, again, it's, it's about building trust. And if they, if they trust that, Hey, coach isn't going to jump down my throat. He's going to, he's going to accept the information. He might go quiet for a little bit, a little bit and tell it and then call you back in an hour and say, Hey, thanks for bringing that up to me. Cause I, I do agree that we need to improve on this or we need to do this. But as far as like changes in the program, and, and this is, this might sound uh, kind of, I never thought I would get to this point where I've gotten much better at delegating. Um, and I, and I feel like a lot of my role at this point is management. It's management of my staff, it's management of the team, management of relationship within the coaching staffs and make sure the schedule writes, making sure that, that every, I can't do everything here. I, I can't, it, it would be impossible for me to get in the weeds with the injured programs and write this. The only thing that I write now is the offensive and defensive line lifting coach Riedel, um, coach Ishmael, and uh, Coach Brad, Coach B, um, they they all write the skill and combo programs. They're lifting, the running, all that. Coach uh, Coach MacArthur, Coach Ant, who's who's he helps me out with the O and D line. He runs, he writes the entire offensive defensive line running. So it's it's for me, it's just doing the uh, the O and line D D line run lift. But like they've all earned that right to be able to write those programs. And obviously they come to me and we talk about it. We go over exactly what their goals are and what, what I think is appropriate, what I think is inappropriate. And, and I want them to fight me on it. And, and the, you, you remind me of something here that I used to do when I had a much younger staff is in, in the summer on Wednesdays, I, I would choose one or two guys and say, Hey, you need to fight me on something. I want you to come in here with, and, and you got a week to prepare this and it's going to be the entire staff. You need to come, come to me with something that, that you, that we need to change the program. And it was to get them to be able to present to me, present to everybody else on staff, but also to kind of clear their air. Hey, we don't do this enough or we do too much of this. And, and it's, it, it, it affected our programming, but it, like I said, you, you build up and I, I build up that trust in my assistants by them doing the little things right. And, and it, it, it may sound, and it's not just like cleaning and making shakes. We all clean, we all make shakes. Like that's, I, I don't expect them to clean the weight rooms on their own and do things like that. Like I expect myself to be in that. And that's the same thing with interns. Like whenever, and an intern obviously has a different skill set than my assistant coaches have a different skill set at that point than me, but we're not just going to give them jobs just to, to give them 
jobs of just cleaning, just making shakes. I want them to be a, an assistant coach on our staff. Um, I want them to, to, and I only bring in one or two interns a semester so that we can give them that opportunity to be involved in everything that we do. Because at that point, if that intern, if I bring in 10 interns, I don't know Joe from, from Larry. And, but if I bring in one guy, I'm going to develop a relationship with that guy over that, that semester. I know whether or not I can recommend him for a job right after. And, and that you spoke on it earlier, like, Jobs and strength editioning at this point, like it's it's not who you know, and and that is part of it. But me and Brian talk about this, and Chris Fee, who's my other one of my other good friends, he's at Sacred Heart, the uh, director of strength editioning there. It's being the best guy that when someone calls, or, or young lady that when someone calls, you have to hire this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely I'll put my name on the line for this intern because I know him or her is gonna do a fantastic job. So it's it is it's it's who you know. But but it's also it's being the right person and being the person that that without a doubt will absolutely succeed at this place. Because in in strength editioning, like like I thought when I was getting into it, it is it's it's oversaturated, but it's oversaturated with people. I don't think it's really oversaturated with pretty elite coaches because it is. I get three or four texts a week. Hey, you got anybody for this? You got anybody for this? You got anybody that could do this? You got anybody that could do this? And it's sometimes I have people, sometimes I don't. So it's, it's just, it's, it's being that person that when you do an internship that then the, the head strength coach, the assistant strength coaches could recommend to someone. No doubt. Uh, and just so you don't, you know, write me off. I'm a, I'm full depth, you know, Love it. much to A to G as possible squats, you know, partials have their, their place. Um, obviously for sure. In the, the uh, rehabilitation and return to play protocols. Um, but, you know, for us, what, what I'm going to always hang my hat on is what well, we're going to squat. We're going to, we're going to lift full range of motion. Um, mostly because for me at the high school level, there's, there's the training age for most of these kids is so, so young that they don't, they should, they don't need to worry about partials. They're, they're not specific enough in any one thing that they need to, uh, unless it's, you know, by a, a, a doctor or, or the athletic trainer. And even yes. some of these doctors uh, clearly do not work out because the th- the notes that we get sometimes, I'm like, are you serious? Uh, what, what are you supposed I, I'm to gonna, I'm going to tell a story here and I, I don't <laughs> want to tell the school. I don't want to, but I was training a, a female athlete and she had broke her back. She had broke her back in a car accident and and I knew she was going to come back and it had been a year and a half since she had done anything. And I, 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 I asked her, I said, Hey, when you, cause she was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be allowed to, to train next week. And I was like, okay. Or two weeks or a month or whatever it was. I said, will you please ask your doctor to give me specific instructions on what you should do when you, sh- when you return. And she came back in with a prescription pad that just said cleared for all lifting activity. And I was like, I, like I, I had to, I had to reach out to other people and, and get, get with our athletic training, get with our, our actual doctors that were, were at the school I was at right there. Cause I, I didn't even know where to start, but, and I, obviously I was a young coach at that point, but it was, it, it, yeah, the, the, the doctor situation is, is pretty unique, but here at West Point, it's, it's pretty awesome. Cause all of our doctors are, are right on post. They're used, they're used to dealing with an, an, an active um, population they're used to understanding what the training is. So they, they, I mean, they'll come in and say, Hey, no back squat. No, no they, they can front squat. They can do um, they, they, they can load their, 
they like I said, they can they can load a front squat, but they they can't do a back squat, or they can do a clean pull. Like they they understand, which has been a huge help. And our athletic training staff here, same way. Like I get a I get a uh, an injury report from my athletic training staff, and it's got each guy, his injury, his olympic modifications his lower body modifications his upper body modifications his sprinting modifications his conditioning modifications all the way through so that takes a guesswork out of it for us which is pretty awesome it, that's I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought up with the injury report um you know because the I, I feel like the other facet that probably doesn't get explored enough for for you at west point uh for the guys at at Annapolis and in the Air Force and the other service and um, schools, you're also training a tactical athlete, right? They have that other component that when they're done with their collegiate football career, they're going to go into the military. How how is that played in, if at all, to how you program, and you know how do you navigate? when a guy gets injured with something non football related or non athletic related, but it's from whatever, you know, field training that they were doing that you're like, seriously, like you couldn't have gotten hurt, you know, while, while you were doing this, but it's the, you no know, how, how so, do you navigate so, all that? So I'll answer the first part when, when they're here and they're under our, our, our training for football and, and with their, their physical development for us as strength coaches, we are training them to be college football players. That is our number one goal. Once they are done playing their senior year and especially our offensive defense alignment, they go into a completely different program where they're they're there's a modified athlete program, which is what all of our big guys are on. And it, it allows them to be overweight. It allows them to, to not have to do the, the, uh, to, to pass their ACFT, which they all, they can all pass, um, but not have to do the two mile, not have to just so that we can have 290 to 320 pound offensive defense alignment to be able to compete with the teams that we're going to play. So really like they, they're training once they, once they're, done playing with us they go into a completely different program coach swanson who's our director of strength conditioning here uh and he he oversees the entire olympic side he he kind of takes the lead on that he's been here for i think 25 years now and, and he gets those guys to lose weight in those three to five months and gets them ready to, to pass all the tests and go in the army and, and and lead soldiers so that that part is is separate like we are just training them to be college football players um injury wise and and they're they're so we, again, we try to preemptively, um, and over the past seven years, we've been very successful with what they're doing for their military training in, in May. Cause May, like right now, all of our guys are in their military training. So our juniors and, and, and juniors going to be seniors and freshmen going to be sophomores are on, are at Camp Buckner. They're out there for about 10 days, um, doing fake battles, learning leadership, doing, so it's, it's, it's fun for them. But I mean, as in order to keep them from losing weight and doing things like that, like we're going out there every day. We go out there in the mornings, we go out there at night, we bring them extra food, extra protein shakes, extra weight gain shakes to try to keep their weight up. Um, so we, we don't have many injuries in that. Uh, our junior, our sophomores going to be juniors are out in uh, Fort Drum, New York right now, which is about five hours away from here. They're shadowing a second lieutenant, which when they graduate, they'll all become second lieutenants in the army. Um, so they, they're shadowing a second lieutenant, but I, I sent two of my strength coaches out there that they're still training those guys. So when the army's doing PT, uh, doing their long runs, doing their pushups, doing their sit-ups, our guys are actually, they're, they're in one of the gyms out there. They're, they're doing our training program. So that, that 
that kind of mitigates some of the injuries in training. And then obviously like you can get injured. I've had guys in, in past places of that I've had guys get UPIs, which is unidentified party injuries. Like, so you can't, you can't eliminate all these and, and even in training, even in, in, in games and practices, like you're not going to eliminate them, but just to, to put the right piece in place preemptively, um, get those out and is, is what we try to do. But the, the, the two, the two classes we get guys banged up on are combatives and boxing. And we had this kid, Amadeo West um, from California was a defense van for us. And his freshman year, he, he was, he had never boxed before in his life. And after about three weeks of being in boxing class, they said, Amadeo, you're not allowed to box anymore because he had given out like five, not just other football players he trained with, just other kids. He had given out like five concussions, had broken a kid's eye socket. Like, so boxing combatives, those are our two, our, our, our two money makers. We don't only do those in the spring, but those are the ones that we get. Hey, we got this issue in combatives class. We got this issue in, in, in boxing class. But that's, I mean, that they're training to be warriors too. They, like we, and that, that, that goes into our toughness aspect. Like um, the, the idea that our guys know how to fight and know how to scrap and claw and have been physical other than on the football field. Like it goes into our, our toughness aspect. And, and in, in the fourth quarter, they know how to battle their asses off and, and fight and, and scratch and claw to, to, to win. So. That's interesting. It, I always, you always hear stories of like, boxing and 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 it's kind of marriage to the different military services um you know and how many of these guys were like you know golden glove boxers uh, oh yeah back in the day and it's that's that's uh i would assume then the same guy that's doling out concussions was was pretty heavy-handed when it comes to his pass rush and and he was a dude (laughs) no doubt and he uh he ended up so he was a captain for us, one of the most incredible leaders. Uh, and he, he, his, he ended up, uh, so he tore his ACL, not ACL, his Achilles. No, he did. He tore his ACL, then tore his Achilles, and then tore his bicep in, in the three years he was here. So he actually went on medical leave of absence at one point, went home and came back and, and did his, his final semester. He had, he had a fifth year. So all of our players only play here for four years. So Amadeo had a, had a fifth year because he took a medical leave of absence. So he had to take a few classes. So he was a, he, he was a senior along with Mike Johnson, who was, he was again, same thing towards ACL came back for his, his fifth year during the COVID year. And, and that COVID year was rough for, for everybody on the planet, but, especially here, our guys, I mean, they were, they were secure in West Point that entire time. They only left really to, to play our, we played three away games that year. Um, and we played, I think it was 10 home games. Uh, but it, I mean, that was the only time they left was those three away games the entire semester. So the amount of leadership it took out of those, those two 22, 23 year old kids to be our two captains, like just physically, mentally tough. And then Amadeo ended up going to, uh, I forget what I forget where he's at, but whatever base he went on, he went on and they, they let him box. And he was like, yeah, I boxed a little bit and played, but he won the boxing competition for his, for his base, like six months after he was there, which is pretty incredible. That's awesome. How, I'm going to dive in a little bit um, before we wrap up. Yeah. So your squat progression. I know you posted that video and, and, and that's something that I'm going to uh, dive into this summer. Um, as I'm taking on um, more um, 
athletic programs on my high school campus. Um, So I'm going to kind of work through that with junior high kids with our, some of our girls athletic program um, and then kind of do some of it with our, with our returning and older football players. Uh, Where did the, where did the genesis of that progression come from and how have you um, modified it and, and, you know, tweaked it over the years? Uh, So the, obviously everything we do is, is a, is a combination of things we've learned from other people and things you've learned throughout your entire career. So I've been doing this for a number of years now, and it's kind of just a system I've developed through learning from Blake, learning from Brian Hess, learning from coaches that I trust across the country on how they're teaching things. But really, like, it's come from trial and error. And, and for me, the idea of, like, just all of a sudden putting a bar on their back, I did that when I first started. And our results weren't as good as they are now. Um, and – I want our guys to be elite at the basics. I want us to be the best squatters, the best benchers, the best cleaners on in college football. So it's about breaking it down into littlest steps. So the littlest steps become automatic, teaching the Valsalva maneuver, teaching them how, how to brace, teach them how to set up the bar in the back, teach them. So it, it starts with the, and the, the first thing, and, and this is, and this is how I start teaching the squat. And I don't, I didn't put this in the video, but the first thing I do, our freshmen all get in there and you like the, the first day you're in a college football weight room, your anxiety is sky high. You want to impress you, 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 you went from the top dog to all of a sudden there's a million top, there's, there's a bunch of top dogs in your weight room. So you, you want to impress, you want to do things right. And I know their anxiety levels are incredibly high. So I, I'm not going to bring a ton of energy those first couple of days. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to talk to them because if you can manage your own anxieties and manage your own energy, you can manage the energy of an entire room. Um, but I'll come in and we'll, we'll, and I think I talked about this in another podcast. We'll go through the warm up and it might take us a, a couple of sessions to get the warm up in X, Y, Z. But at the end of that, we do body weight squats at the end of our warm up, And that's every day. And it's, hands and fists shoot them out sit your hips all the way down below your knees so the first day they come in we we get through the warm-up and and they might have redone it a bunch of times it might be the third session when we finally get to the bodyweight squat and with the bodyweight squat i'm saying down up down they got to come up they they, they down they got to hold it down there and and we're we've taught the breath we've taught all that so what i do is 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 i tell them what our appropriate depth is and it's it's day one through three here so Again, their anxiety side. They they want to they want to improve. They want to they want to show that they can do it. So I say down, and I start talking. I was like, everybody in this room is showing me that they can hit hit proper depth on the squat, which for me is hips down below your knees. And every guy is in that squat position at that point. Now it might not look good. Some guys' backs might be bent. Some guys it might not look night a hundred percent outstanding across the board, but most of them look great. So, and then I say up and then I say it's down. So I say, so you've all proved to me that you can all hit squat depth and they're holding it and holding it. And it might be a five second hold up, down. So the only thing that changes once we actually start putting weight either on a front position in it with a kettlebell or on our back up, down is the weight, is the outside stimulus. You've all proved to me that you have the mobility to squat to depth. You've all just proved that to me. I can see every single guy in this room with his hips down below his knees. And now they're holding, they've been holding a squat for a while. So what I'm, and then I say up. So what you're not going to do is tell me, hey, I can squat, I can't squat to depth with 315, but I can do it with 135. 
that's not a mobility issue, man. That's a strength issue. Uh, so like it, it's it's kind of back in the middle corner because they're not going to say, oh, I can't day one, two or three. They're not going to say, oh, I can't squat to death. I can't do it. And and it doesn't look great for everybody, but 90 percent of them look pretty good. And it, it, that solves a lot of the issues of, oh, I'm not mobile enough to do it. I'm not mobile. Well, bullshit. Most most people, if you can, if you can squat your body weight to death and then you start adding weight, and you can't squat it to depth. It's the weight issue. It's not. It's not a mobility issue. Now we will have some mobility issues and things like that that we'll have to correct. But like once we get done with that, that's when we start introducing the kettlebell. And we, once we do the kettlebell front squat, we go through it. And it, it's like I said, it's a 16 week program. But when we get done, I mean, we'll have 20 guys that squat 500 pounds. We'll have a couple of guys get a couple of guys that can squat 550, squat near six. So it's 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 about putting those little pieces in place and always being like absurdly technical about the fundamentals because then those fundamentals become second nature. Like I've been lifting for, I mean, I'm 37. So I started when I was 13. So what's that? 24 years now. Sometimes I go into the, I go into squat and, and I forget to brace before I pick the bar up. I'm like, Oh, this doesn't feel right. Or I forget to, to, to really screw my feet in the floor. And then I have to coach myself up. So how would I, how would I expect an 18 year old kid who doesn't take this, who doesn't do this as a career, to remember all those little details if I'm not reminding them. So we try to like, like hammer it in, become second nature, and then constantly remind them about the fundamentals, about the fundamentals, because that's what gets people strong. And and I know some people want to rush that and obviously get a bar on their back. And then I'd rather build strong, strong children than repair broken men. Um, there's, there's no need for us to be pushing um, maxes that it can't hit with bad technique is, what am I going to do the next year? If, if it's a ba- bad 550 squat, am I going to let them do a bad 575 squat, bad 600 pound squat? No, uh, we just, we have to do things right at all times. How do you, well, let me, let me ask this other question first before I ask. Yeah. Sorry, I, I go off on tangents here. No, 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 no it, it's fine. Um, I'd uh, reached out just to some of my, uh, my peers uh, in, in a group chat that we're in, a bunch of strength coaches. Sure. Hey, I'm, about to record with Coach Hughes. Uh, you know, anybody got any questions? So, um, Coach Crawford had a question about your cleans progression. Um, you know, he, he noted that you had posted your your squat one. I would assume that the clean progression has its similarities in terms of breaking it down to the lowest fundamental and then building it all the way up. You know, you you have that USAW whole part whole, um, but you know we don't necessarily go whole part whole per se with the squat right it, it's a little bit different with the olympic lift but when do you introduce the olympic lifting particularly with your developmental group uh as they come in and and coach Riedel will take the lead on that brandon ray has taught it before uh jake did now now jake will take the lead on it teaching our our cleans because and and just being here and, and coaching with brian hess and then coaching with uh, brandon and coaching with jake i Seven years ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, I know how to teach you clean. And right now, I know how to teach you clean a hell of a lot better than I did seven years ago. The guy seven year, years ago didn't know how to teach you clean. But so the we'll start introducing that pretty much. It'll be somewhere along the lines of once they get really fundamentally sound with RDLs, once they get pretty fundamentally, fundamentally sound with front squats and and decently fundamentally sound with the deadlift. And then we'll start to incre- in, in incorporate our clean pull progression, start to incorporate our, our high hang, clean, our high hip uh, hang clean, start to incorporate like how to actually pull yourself underneath the bar. So it's, it's, it's phased in really depending on where that group is somewhere in October, 
early November. And then we won't test the clean before they leave. We'll just assign them a max and then we'll, we'll continue to teach that throughout the spring. So it's, it's not one of the first things that we do. Um, it's one of the first things that it's, it's one of the things that we'll teach later on in the semester. We want to really hammer the front squat, hammer the RDL, hammer some single leg work and, and hammer some upper body pressing and upper body pulling before we start to incorporate that. Um, I will say this though, if, if our best, our athletes that can pick up the clean the fastest are normally our guys that can get in the field the earliest. Because I mean, you have to be pretty kinesthetically aware to, to be able to, to understand what a coach is telling you and showing you and, and pick up an Olympic lift pretty quick. Those are the same guys that can, can, can be kinesthetically aware on the field and pick that up pretty quick. Now there's guys who, who have been not great cleaners their entire career and end up being great players. And I mean, that, that happens, but it, for 75% of the guys, the guys that pick it up the quickest, the guys that pick up the, the stuff on the field and get, get on the field the earliest. So I'm going to, and I'll go back to this other question I was going to ask when you post videos of, the guys lifting. Yes. What determines in your brain who to record and what to post? And are you always trying to get that same kind of angle? Cause you know, for squat, it's, it's usually, you know, um, off to, off to a degree side so that you obviously you can see depth, but you can also see full range of motion. Yeah, again, that that's a shit show. Like, I don't want anybody to say, and and again, I don't really care about opinions, but I don't want anybody to be like, oh well, that that doesn't look that that doesn't look like the right depth, or that doesn't whatever. I, I don't care, but also like, I want to leave no doubt. Like, the I want somebody to say those are the best lifters, those are the best college football lifters I've ever seen on the planet. Um, but as far as like what we choose to post, so I want you to to wrap your head around this. So, Coach Malkin is an absolutely fantastic head coach to work for. When I tell you, like, he is. The, he is the epitome of holding the standard, setting the standard and, and the, the standard he holds for myself, the coordinators, all the coaches um, is the same standard he holds for the kids. And, but the thing about working for a guy like that is he, the standard he holds himself to is unattainable by a normal human being. He is incredible. But as a strength coach, he legitimately comes into our lifts, will listen to the coaching points that we're given because we bring them up to the whiteboard before every exercise, tell them exactly what, and then give those same type of, cues which is un, unheard of as a head coach to do that so to, to to lead our program to trust us and what we're doing is it, it's awesome to work for a guy like that but our standard in the weight room for technique has to be all the time perfect because when we max out or we hit heavy weights coach monkey comes into our workouts every day Every day in the summer, every day in the winter, he pops in. As long as he's not on the road of recruiting, he is in the workout for at some points for five minutes, at some points the entire time because he wants to watch. He wants to be around the guys watching who's working, watching who's not. But when we get heavy, when I tell you the first time we tested here as, as me being the head strength coach, he recorded every single guy testing on his phone, which is unbelievable. And if they hit the weight, he tweeted it out. So my standard has to be, Every single exercise, every single set that we do has to be social media worthy, because if it's not, if they hit the weight, it's getting tweeted out. So like the the everything that we do has to be perfect at all times, because if we start putting out garbage reps and say, hey, this guy hit an 800 pound squat and it's only three fourths of the way down, like the. If that makes it on the social media, then it looks like we don't uh, all the things we talk about are perfection, accountability, doing things right in the weight room. We're not holding the standard when we're testing too. So it's it's a uh, 
we don't really like, I don't say like to my staff, like, Hey, before you post something, you got to run it through me. You got to see it. I'll do that. Um, with our, with our social media staff, if they're down there, just because like sometimes they don't know what they're looking at and they, they might just put something up there that is just not, not normal, but, uh, it, it's, it's trying to show again, the right way to do things in my opinion and, and great solid technique. Cause that's, what's going to give you the best results. So we don't spend much time like talking about exactly what we're going to post. It's just spur of the moment. You pull the phone out. Some, somebody's about to hit a good squat or, and I like to do multiple guys. So it's not the same guy every single time. Cause it's the same guy every single time you say, yeah, that guy's got one good lifter, but we try to do, try to spotlight everybody on our team. So they can, they can see it and their, their parents can, can tweet it or their, their high school coaches can say, Hey, this guy, look at, look at Lucas. He's put on 30 pounds and look at his squat. Like he's representing his high school well. All right. Well, I'm going to get you. <clears throat> that's a perfect segue for this last yep. question. Okay. What is it that you would, as a collegiate strength coach, what would you like to see improved at the high school level so that when they come to you, you can say, all right, you're good here, here, and here. What you need to learn is is our verbiage, our warm-up, et cetera, and let's roll. So that that the funny thing about that is – is the uh, 10 years ago, I would have given you a completely different answer. 15, 10 years ago, I would have said that there's too much emphasis on too much weight. I used to say there's three types of athletes we have show up. There's guys who have never trained before. They're easy to train. Guys who have trained before with a good strength coach, they're, they're easy to train. And guys that have just gone in there and, and gotten T-shirts, and, and I'm not against T-shirts for 1,000-pounds clubs and stuff like that, but have sacrificed all of their technique for more weight and they're immobile and they have bad habits. Those are the guys that we, that there was much more of those guys 10 years ago than there is now. I would say like high school strength conditioning has, and, and I started off, the, my first job was working my, my uncle's strength conditioning camp. And, uh, but it has come so far in the last 10 years that we're getting like really physically developed kids who know how to lift and know how to train. So, I mean, for me, the biggest thing that I tell all our athletes when, when I send home a winter program is I want you to continue to train with your high school strength coach, unless you don't have anybody, then I want you to jump in this program. It's really, really basic, but I want them to keep their mobility, be able to, to move, to be able to run, be able to jump and, and we'll get them strong. Like if, if they're mobile and they're, they're explosive when they get here, we can get them stronger. We can get them more explosive, but if they lose that mobility, they develop bad habits in high school. Like that's, that's, those are the guys that are hard to break. So I, I didn't really answer your question, but I mean, it's been so much better in the past 10 years. It's, it's, it's night and day. No, it's awesome. It's, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I, you had put it out just a few days ago uh, about just, hammering the the fundamentals and hammering the basics and just being extremely proficient at that. And, you know, that's, that's my goal. And that's my, my head coach's goal uh, for football is just being better at the basics. And, you know, if we can do that, then that's, I'll, I'll consider that a win. You know, I think one of the easiest things, at least at at the high school level is, is getting a kid strong. Puberty is, is an unmatched drug and, you know, they, they're going to get stronger, it's just a matter of are they getting stronger the right way with quality technique? Or are they just, like you said, sacrificing technique for, uh, you know, a T-shirt or a post uh, when yep. in reality they're doing more harm than good? No doubt. No doubt. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for uh, 
training the the next generation of of leaders of this country and and the impact that you have on them. And thank you for uh, putting quality content out there for for high school coaches and other coaches in general to learn from. No problem at all. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yes, sir.